Yes, yes, people, back again. This is where the key's at. Today's topic, we're talking about the impact of injustice between the case of Stephen Lawrence to Mark Duggan and the aftermaths between both of them and also the influences of programs such as The Real McCoy and The Bill. So onwards, we're going to put it on to my fellow co-host. What's up? What's up? Eli's in the building. Eli. I kind of like it over on this sofa. I don't, yeah. Like I'm going back over there. Just Comfort zone. Yeah. It's <laughs> nice. Yeah. So I just want to talk about where do you think, if has anything been, does anything feel different in terms of at least with how you've been perceived as a, as a black man in, in the, the whole society of surrounded by racism, do you feel anything's changed between back then and as to now? Back then to Stephen Lawrence's case? Yeah. Well, for those that didn't know, Stephen Lawrence was a man that was, was unfortunately killed by five white men and they, got, they were in a case where the, the police knew who did it, but they didn't act upon it. So that contributed towards the McPherson report where they were found eventually that they were guilty after double jeopardy mm. where those that, that that timeline of evidence was supposed to be handled a lot better. I suppose like for me, that happened when I was 10 years old. Wow. I can remember it clear as day. Everyone can remember it clear as day. Mm. You know, um, so at that, at that time, I hadn't had any involvement with the police on my own mm-hmm. before. I have actually had actually had involvement with the police, yeah. but not individually for me. So, but I'd seen the conflict between the community and the police already. Mm-hmm. So I remember when that happened, and it was like a warning shot. Yeah. These kind of things can happen to you. So I was always wary. I think that had such an impact on my life more than it did on the police officer that was 10 years old who saw it, I don't think that had mm-hmm. a, as much impact on them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they developed some policies and whatnot when they found the police to be institutionally racist towards the end of the 90s. Yeah. But again, we find with things that happen later on, those policies don't necessarily hold any weight. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a couple of training sessions or whatever it is. It's not developed a culture of fairness mm-hmm. yeah. within, within the police. But what it did do for me is it, it made me alert to um, no matter what happens, mm-hmm. I've got to be defensive yeah. first, you know, yeah. because I'm not going to be protected, mm-hmm. which is a shame. Yeah. I, w- I was too young when that actual incident happened. <coughs> I was a bit younger, real young when that happened. <laughs> I won't give up my age, but I was real young. But when the McPherson report came out in 99, that's when I was introduced as to my surroundings as being a black man and just understanding that people's perception of me is is skewed towards to the negative mm. and just understanding that being black and British is something where people almost frown upon even though behind closed doors they revere you but they won't say it to your face. I was given the light of understanding that you pretty much have to work a, a, a lot harder to be considered equal, in at least in this country. It's crazy that that happened and this, this guy, was it after a youth club or something like that, wasn't it? Mm. They were out at a bus stop. Yeah. And as soon as the services show up and the police show up, they're treating his friend like he's done something wrong and he's yeah. telling them. Yeah. They're not listening to him. And 
the mad thing is that happens now mm-hmm. a lot yeah like especially race color is so easy to see for a police officer culture mm-hmm. you can't really see yeah so color they can see straight away they can see a black person and a non-black person and mm. you know then the unconscious bias is mm. kicks in mm-hmm. and they're thinking well who do i think is going to be the victim here yeah and they've got you know police are trained to react quickly mm-hmm. they're trained to try and resolve issues as quickly as they can and yeah. hopefully in a non-violent way yeah um and so their unconscious bias has to kick in they have to use a bit of what is their instinct and yeah. what is their instinct yeah the instinct is a result of the culture mm-hmm. what they have been shown mm-hmm. what they see on the television mm-hmm. what they hear in the music and mm-hmm. there's one percent if that of us of our culture yeah. like what impact on the image of a black man do you have mm-hmm. you don't have no impact you're not in control of the media of what's shown of you no. the only control of you you have is yourself so and if you haven't met that police officer before then you're in a losing situation it's true, it's true. And I think the development has been that it's been tried to be, the, the relationship has tried to be forward out. You've got Operation Trident where you've got... Is that still going? I, f- I, I think it's still ongoing, mm-hmm. actually, yeah. But not, not as prominent as it was where they were trying to tackle knife and gun crime as such. But the, the whole thing where you were saying, a, well, a couple of podcasts ago, you talk about stop and search, yeah. that kind of thing. You know, they're, they're, it's been utilized where statistically that it's for a reason where it's proven as success but at the same token it's not exactly positive to feel that you know you're nine times as likely to be stopped compared yeah. to other other communities as such so if they considered stop and search a success how the goalposts always move yeah like, so they consider that a success if they do mm. and what the rate of arrests from stop and search is mm. like something stupid like 13 percent. yeah you can't your, your kid gets 13 percent in the test you don't go it's a success <laughs> yeah. so how you know what i mean it's, it's yeah. crazy how you can move the goalposts to suit the narrative that you want how what's the difference between the cases of Stephen lawrence and mark duggan mark duggan was the his death was the result of an investigation where it ultimately sparked the London riots, and the the that happened in 2011. And Stephen Lawrence, his death was in '93. There's a there's a gap of about 18 years where things has been that, like you said, policies have, have been implemented and yeah. and and progressed. But essentially, what is the difference between now and then? Because is it is it more that they, it had to happen for things to be seen in the open? That's, so that's tell me, because I don't really know when it comes to Duggan, yeah. Mark Duggan and his case and his murder in 2011. Yeah. Yeah. All I was really witnessing was the riots. I wasn't yeah. close to it. Yeah. Um, he wasn't covered in the same way. No. So was he, has it turned out that he was more of a victim? Because obviously the yeah. way we, it was shown to yeah. us wasn't necessarily yeah. that way. No, he, it was seen... That he was, well, they were trying to paint the image of he was a gangster and he did certain things. That's what I saw a lot. You know, that he brought a gun from such a person and was going to use it for some type of reason. But the the point being is that from from that is how, when they were trying to investigate the people that shot him, the SL-19, the officer, that the family came down to the police station, didn't get seen for five hours and then 
it sparked from there and then that's how the riots started to blow. And so in that case, regardless of what Duggan done, yeah. the treatment of the family and the disrespect is very similar to um, in 93, the best friend who was treated as somebody who was a suspect. Yeah, Dwayne Brooks, and yeah. So that's still happening 15, 16, 17, 18 years later. Yeah. Um, your son has just been killed lawfully or unlawfully. Mm-hmm. You want some answers. Yeah. You're not a, you're not a criminal. You deserve, yeah. you, you deserve to yeah. be talked to. And mm. so, and that's the same police organisation, right? Treating yeah. the same Rich type Bolland. of people yeah. in the same way. Yeah. So the answer to your question in short is, no. No. No, not that change. But just just expanding on that because it was only when the family uh, collaborated with Nelson Mandela that it was brought into the full light, and then it seemed to be oh, okay, now it's be taken seriously. But imagine me telling myself like if I get caught doing something, I'm stealing from the shop, and I yeah. get caught, yeah. and then they go, "You've been stealing, right?" And mm-hmm. I say, "Uh, no," and they go, "Well, we've got you on CCTV taking a Kit Kat." Mm-hmm. So I go, "Okay, here's the Kit Kat." Yeah. But imagine what else is underneath there. They're mm-hmm. showing you what they know that you already know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they've been caught. Mm-hmm. But what else was going on in that institution? The institutionally racist, they've told us enough to shut us up. Yeah. You know, so those things dig are deep. And to change a culture, you normally have to turn over a generation. You can write policy all you want. But it doesn't change the way people think and it doesn't change people's unconscious bias. Mm-hmm. Those riots happened. Did they actually change anything? Not really, not not in my view, no. Because uh, uh, just a backlog. Uh, they happened not too far from where I was living, right? So, I was. It was almost like on my doorstep. So, to see it happen manifest, like I remember that very clearly. Because around that time, they basically put it towards where people were getting stopped and searched if you were if you had a hoodie on, and just had the attire of a roadman. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. I was in my young twenties when that happened, yeah. and I remember it quite vividly because there was a ten p.m. curfew with that. So if you weren't in your house by then, they were, you know, putting people, arresting people, and that. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it started spreading to other cities, didn't it? And yeah, as well. Yeah, and 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 it's it's the thing like the riots became, <coughs> it became known for, what what. It looked like it just a copycat. I was just doing it for the for the sport of it. It wasn't really no type of collective objective mm-hmm. where okay, yeah, you've 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 crushed down a whole town for a reason that no one's going to Whitehall, no one's going to House of Parliament and really demanding justice as such. But yeah. it is is one of those where what I'd say is that the riots was built on you know, frustration and then people kind of took it like, oh yeah, we'll try that as well. And it just spread like wildfire. Okay, we're gonna ha- we're gonna squash beef for a weekend. Me and you are gonna run together and go do this JD sports and run in and take our stuff yeah. that we want. Yeah. What I would say is though um people would use the riots and all riots for their own their own personal frustrations. You don't have to share a frustration, no. you know? And um, people who are satisfied healthy wealthy don't riot what are they yeah. writing for like yeah. people who have everything going for them and nothing going against them won't riot because there's no injustice being done to them they're quite happy like mm-hmm. things are good the way they are mm-hmm. so everyone who's writing are actually people who feel like they're being 
oppressed in some sort of a way or yeah. it's, things are unjust for them in some sort of a way mm-hmm. it just might not always be the same cause but once you see hold on they're, they're standing up for whatever mm-hmm. um, I'm going to do something too mm-hmm. I might rob JD or I might rob you know an electrical store but would I rob that electrical store if I had the means to get that, that stuff for myself if it's I true. had that already no I wouldn't right yeah, true, so yeah. what I really remember um, what's quite interesting is how it was reported on the news mm-hmm. And they had, um, they you know, people were messing up their neighbourhoods and whatnot, but they had gone to like Epsom or something like that and mm. started messing up these kind of small independent stores on one of the high streets. Mm. And that was a big story. This is like a mm. week into the riots. That's a massive story. The locals were obviously all well-to-do, mm. upper-middle-class people. And they were like, yes. I can't believe this is happening in my neighbourhood. Why is it happening here? We don't have a problem here. And that just those words and the way the news kept repeating it just made me think, well, look, you're saying what the problem is. Or we don't have a problem here. Yeah. Like the police look after us here. Yeah. We don't have yeah. criminal-minded people here. Mm-hmm. Why not? Yeah. What's the difference in your neighbourhood mm-hmm. and their neighbourhood? Mm-hmm. So are you trying to say it's the type of people that live there? Like, mm-hmm. So there's something inherently bad about these people that live here? Or are mm-hmm. you saying the means that you have over this side enable you to prosper? Yeah. But they don't touch on that issue in the news. The only nah. issue was these, these bad people have got to this good area and mm-hmm. now they're making our area bad. Yeah, And it's, it's so surface level... Um, and we're so distracted by the pictures of the fires and people running out of the shots of a television mm-hmm. that we're not really asking the real questions. No. It was only a flash in the pan because yeah. the week or the two weeks afterwards, everyone's back beefing yeah. with each other yeah. and getting stabbed all that craziness. But that's all right, though. Yeah, That's not a headline story. That's no. not on the news every day because it's not happening in those areas where people are doing all right. Yeah. But the, the people in that area have political influence mm-hmm. over that area. And... It seems to be that for those reasons that police don't trouble them because those are the people that actually have people in higher positions. Like, it's who you know. And that's a very human thing, I think. You know? Yeah. Um, like, the thought that if you do something to someone that can come back on you mm-hmm. makes you not choose that person to do anything to. So yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. In, in all situations, whoever you are. Mm-hmm. And so really these, they know the system. They yeah. know, they know who's benefiting from it and who's not. And the people who aren't are unfortunately picked on. Mm-hmm. And as, as they, as they said in 99, institutionally chosen and picked on and unfairly treated and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Those, those people that that committed that crime, they were quite large, and they were they were local people. Yeah. And it wasn't summed up to think, okay, the same five names are being appearing, and nobody seems to be addressing the they elephant in the room. In the telephone box or something. Right? Yeah. They knew. Yeah. And their connections to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, why would you want to trouble your own if they they're connected with the police? You don't mm-hmm. want to. You don't want to... These other people over here, why are you going to make trouble in your own neck of the woods for these other people who you don't even really have any mm-hmm. feelings for? And yeah. it comes down to that. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And we, and it happens to be... The difference is, in this case, is culture and race. Because there's still trouble between us, the black community, and, and the police to this day. Mm-hmm. That's, just, that's just a known fact. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have to accept it at some point, someone that you know, or you're going to have to directly 
come across them and know how to deal with them. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of talks about the other podcasts, mm-hmm. but just the other thing where we don't necessarily seem to be making strides towards the same reason. And also just, you know, as much as you've got black police officers, what happens there when, okay, if they happen to know somebody that is allegedly supposed to be a criminal, what whose side do they pick? But when you do come across a criminal mm. who is black, potentially you've got connections to them, right? Yeah. Because we're a small community. Yeah. We're not, um, especially in smaller towns like where I'm from, mm. I know if I see a person who's black, I know someone who they know. Mm. Or I know someone in their family. So, yeah, yeah. you know, if I've got to police them, I've got to be extra careful and make sure... Because I've got to go back in that community at the end of the day. Yeah. And so that, that is really probably the way policing should be, right? You've got mm. to be really careful to not offend someone mm. or to falsely accuse someone or to hurt someone mm. without just cause because yeah. you will have to answer to that person's family yeah. or community when mm. you go home. The problem with policing is, like, you know, the Met Police might be patrolling areas that they're never going to have to go to. They're yeah. never going to have to know your auntie or whatever, sit in a restaurant with someone you know or go buy from the chip shop who your auntie runs or your cousin runs mm-hmm. or have to, kids have to go to the same school as your kids. Mm-hmm. So there's no accountability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one right you there. It's, it's a point of reference to think, okay, unless it happens to you, is it a problem? Yeah. Yeah, but Gav, if you've done nothing wrong, you've got nothing to worry about. I know that. You know that. But, you know, to the the, the smaller community of ourselves, you know, we sweating if we got a clean driver license and all that. <laughs> but that's the thing I hear. If you've got nothing wrong, done nothing wrong, you've got nothing to worry about. And that's because you've never been stopped because you're not considering what happens next. Okay, you've done nothing wrong, but you've yeah. been stopped. Yeah. The first thing police normally do, especially if you're cocky like I am when you get stopped, <laughs> is... <laughs> Because you know yeah. you've done that wrong. Is they start looking deeper. Mm-hmm. And if you look for something, you can always find something. Yeah. Every car, you, yeah. if you look enough, you can find something. So, mm-hmm. you know, or, and if you can't find anything, you can intimidate people and you can take up the time of their day and you can make them late. Yeah. And, you know, you can do all those kind of things. So, yeah, that whole Facebook comment of, well, if you've got nothing to hide, don't worry, is mm-hmm. rubbish. And it's definitely said by someone who's never been under that kind of scrutiny before yeah because you know how much of a time waste it is mm-hmm. you were talking earlier but off camera talking about the bill yeah and like it's linked to your experience with the police mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you mean i mean by that because the bill was definitely i think one of if not the first program that i understood as to how the police perceive the black community right as an ic free male and then you know reading your rights when you get arrested you don't have to say anything while you're mm. you know you, it may harm your defence while you're questioned and if you do say we'll be lied in court and if you do they give you evidence that yeah. kind of line yeah. but I mean to me right now it, it it's always I mean it was 20 years ago plus but it's, it's still relevant as to understanding as to you know the, the whole at least the timeline you know bringing it back to the McPherson report that was in 99 mm. the bill was started before that yeah. but you know, I was still young enough to grasp that, you know, police and understanding that while you're, as you're black, you, you definitely get a bit more harassment as such as to your out and out everyday outgoings without, without, you know, you could be innocently just 
minding your business yeah. and then you just get whoop whoop behind you and then <laughs> you get problems. Yeah. But it's just one of those where I'm talking about as in the bill, it gave me a basis and the foundation as to understand rather than my folks talk about it, I could visually see what it is to be and how it is to be black. Because, you know, they had they had black actors, you know, playing people that that kind of look like... Asher D was on the bill only once. Yeah, he was, he was, he was. <laughs> yeah. But the, the, the people that kind of look like your people around your way. Yeah, yeah. And then you kind of see it in, in real time as such. Even though it's a programme, yeah. it's still very much based in reality. Yeah. And mm. then you come across to going forward as to okay you, you you grow up and you start to experience those those, those, things, those yeah. things yeah I don't know about the reality part though because I, I would like to think yeah okay so some things they've probably got on the writing staff they might have inside experts or uh -huh. you know they do research and all that sort of stuff but yeah. if you're talking about representation and seeing other black people on the screen and being uh -huh. able to identify a situation and you grow up you're in that situation yeah but I very much doubt that they've had people on the writing staff and researchers who are bothered to look at how it feels and what it's like on the other side of no, that. Yeah, no, so no, yeah, I get that. it's a very one-sided narrative. I get that. And it's kind of, the bill you followed, it's a superhero show about mm. police, right? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. follow the police and have to yeah. solve the crime and they, they do it. They use yeah. their super policing powers to solve it. Yeah, yeah. And you're never seeing the other, the other side of it. You're seeing yourself as a perpetrator, sometimes a victim on the show. Mm. But um, yeah, in terms of the realism, it's, the research and the development is probably one-sided. The team mm. of writers probably all look the same. Yeah. And it's, it's nothing to do with yeah. when there are black people on it. Because it's all types of victims and, and criminals on it, right? They spread mm -hmm. the wealth a bit. Mm -hmm. But um, that side of realism... It's not there, is it? No, no. But I, I was saying that you know, when, when it as, as especially as a young kid, yeah. uh, you, TV does play an influence as to oh, how you perceive the world. Because yeah. I grew up with terrestrial TV, so what I didn't have the luxury. For? I didn't have the luxury of Sky and cable like other people. Yeah, I literally had four or five channels, and yeah. that was it. That was my my world that I saw on the outview. But that's it's. That is like, they know that. They know most kids at that time, especially most families, probably had one to five. Everyone who had a telly had one to five. Mm -hmm. Guaranteed, yeah? yeah. Although five was a bit dodgy in my area. <laughs> we still had five. Yeah. And if there's a police show on, you're watching a police show and this is your perception perception of the police imagine if you're not a criminal mm -hmm. you're not someone who's targeted by the police so you, therefore you've never had any involvement with the police apart from if the police come and help you for something yeah. you watch that show and you you kind of softened up by it. you're like yeah you know it's, the system works and the mm -hmm. police mm -hmm. you know are fair mm -hmm. and it softens them up to when we complain and when we say something's wrong they're like Yo, nothing's wrong we don't, I don't hear about nothing mm -hmm. that yeah. And they might not say the bill looks all right, but yeah. actually that's the image of the police that they've seen and they've heard yeah. and they've felt yeah. a lot. Yeah. It's crazy. I think we need harsh realities to remind not just us, but everyone that it's not always black and white. There's a, there's a bit of gray. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That there, there, there has that. And also the privilege and the prejudice that, you know, it doesn't, it's not, it, it's not as, as bad as it seems, as you were saying, but some people, don't grasp it because that means they would have to look in the mirror and be like, look, I get this because of how I look compared to somebody 
that doesn't look like me has to go through all this scrutiny just to be accepted. It's not no coincidence that, you know, these, these things are, you know, both all, they both were handled by the police, mm -hmm. you know? One, one, one was an incident where you, the handling of, of the evidence and one was directly done by the police as to how they, they perceived somebody that they were investigating, mm. shot the man, you know, there's, there's, there's gray areas as to if the, the, the gun was supposed to be nearby. But the point being is that, you know, it was, it was a whisper of something what he alleged did yeah. compared to hard evidence as to what was right there in their face. Imagery, imagery. Yeah. Imagery, uh, imagery affects your perception of anything. If I always see squirrels biting people, when I see a squirrel, I'm kicking it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I understand that completely. Yeah. Uh, Real McCoy. The Real McCoy, I think, the, yeah, the Real McCoy, I think it's, it's got to be said that the Real McCoy, I mean, for those that don't know, it's on for a limited time only on the iPlayer, but also... It's not on there anymore. It's still there, it's still there. Okay, cool. It's just that it's, I, I can't say when it's going to be, when it's going to take it off because for years people have been asking for it to be put on the screen, but they somehow found the archives and now they slapped it on iPlayer. But after 25 years, you decide to just do it. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, The Real McCoy. Yeah, The Real McCoy, it was definitely, at least in my household, it was the, the program where everybody would stop to watch around... And, and gather around and watch it. Yeah. I think that was the only kind of, that was the only program we were all allowed to stay up late and watch. Yeah. You know, I was real young when it was, you know, they, they were in, they were, the seasons were, were on TV, but essentially that was the real, the only program as black people we actually saw that people looked like us and they were, they weren't as much as, I didn't I get you were a little bit younger than me, so there were two shirts yeah. for me. But yeah, yeah. Carry on. I did, I wasn't I wasn't fully able to grasp what the jokes were. Yeah. But even though I look at it now, there's things that are you know education, entertainment, where they they were they combined with uh, what they what what were, what what could be said in hard topics with a little humor. Mm -hmm. You know, such things as racism and and just being us day to day and just you know, little nuances of accents and this person looks like that person and, you know, but, you know, it's one for people to check out, you know, at a later date. But I think if people understood that was that was the culture back then in the 90s, it's still very relevant today because the in cycle, there's still things there that you can still take from today and think, oh, I never thought about that, but yeah. that's still relevant today. <clears throat> but humanised us as well. And it was Desmond's as well. So Desmond's yeah. was that other oh, one, Oh, right? yeah, 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 That's yeah, yeah. the second one. Yeah. And that was that showed the difference in generations and how we how we see ourselves in this country as mm. part of this country and first-generation British and whatnot. But then I think it's interesting that to humanise us, we have to use comedy. We always have to use singing and comedy yeah. Yeah. so that we are non-threatening. Yeah. and are humanised and we have to show that light hearted side of ourselves for, mm -hmm. for people what well, we think we do for yeah. people to really really have a, a good opinion of us this, this, we could talk about atrocities all day about yeah. as to what we've come from and, no one's going to be on your side if all you talk about is the badness that's happened to yeah. you like, yeah. they're not going to empathise if they haven't been there if they don't you know no 
but everyone can laugh. But it's crazy that no matter how much atrocity we've been through and our ancestors have been through, the only thing that really has an impact is when we tell a joke. This is it. That's crazy. It seems to stick a little bit better or yeah. a little bit longer when we start to drop jewels without sounding too, like you're being too pro-black about it. You've got to drop some type of humour undertone that makes yeah. it acceptable to the masses. Yeah. Even though these comedies are making these points and they are mixing a bit of the, the sugar with the point, Mm. the people they want to reach with it aren't necessarily seeing it and they're not yeah. getting the message they're just laughing at it yeah you gotta you gotta sometimes sugarcoat the medicine for it to be seen for the masses but what I'm saying is they're doing that but the masses are just laughing yeah they're, they're, they're and, not, and that's the question they're not are getting they, the picture are they laughing, laughing with you or laughing at you yeah so there's sketches that I can see and I'm like yo they're, they're saying this mm -hmm. and they're like no 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 but but, but but he pulled his pants down. They're not that's connecting the, funny the part. dots like that. No, no that's no, not no. what it is. You know no. what I mean? So does comedy really work? Probably yeah. not. Yeah. Dave Chappelle says so many powerful political things. Yeah. How many people of his audience who are probably 95% white, mm -hmm. how many of them leave and think, I'm going to make a change, I'm going to make a difference because Chappelle just taught me something? Mm. Or how many of them leave the audience laughing their head off and posting mm. memes on, online? It was, it was funny in entertainment like you know you could point fingers like ah oh, that's funny because you know he's he's making a joke out of himself but when he wants to be serious he can't be serious yeah no he won't he won't be heard as well it's offensive like, yeah comedy's not offensive but again it goes back to when it's time to for your personality and your sensibilities once need to come out yeah if they if they're offending or if they're slightly offensive to me I don't want to hear you or yeah. if they're slightly challenging for me to hear you don't need to be heard but if you can make me laugh yeah. I'll laugh at you I'll yeah. laugh with you I'll pay yeah. you to make me laugh I'll yeah. pay you to rap to me I'll pay you to dance for me yeah. we're still like it's Spike Lee bamboozled we're still there we're still entertainers yeah. and I think the entertainers that are taking it seriously and using that platform to really drill home their message at any expense are the mm. ones that I've got my respect right now mm. But do you see it as a problem yourself that we have to entertain people like, you know, shake and, and dance, all of that. Like, we can't be militant minded. We're like, look, I'm not for all of that. All of that, you know, all of that business where you can, you know, and this ain't no time to smile. We need to get serious. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, you've got other leaders, you know, such as Farrakhan and, and, and them kind of people yeah. that be like, look, I told you years ago, that yeah. the enemy's telling you to do this and you lot just running around like a lost sheep ain't really paying attention to what's really in your face. Mm -hmm. And then coming around to where people seem to be, only now seem to be this term woke. You know, you're woke now. Where was you before? You were sleepwalking? Where was you? What were you doing? Yeah. You know, you, 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 it's, it's, it's okay now, Black Lives Matter. Okay, yeah. Where's those same people at now with, you know, what's going on? You know, it's a protest yeah but you know there's only so much you could be peaceful before you be like look yeah you got you got fight fire with fire yeah and this is the thing people don't seem to be grasping the idea of that it needs to be said in the open like why is it that certain militias get you know called a cult and other yeah. people don't really be given that label and we we have a difference of opinion as to i'm coming from where i'm coming from my culture I found my identity 
Right? Yeah. I know who I am, mm. but I have to prove myself to you that I'm of equal mm-hmm. in that sense. And this is the thing where we're talking about, you know, at least the injustice of, you know, from the system to the police to how everything's well-rounded where we don't seem to be getting the fair treatment. You know, you, we have opportunities as the youngers. Yeah. You know, the, the elders have the experience and the wisdom to give to us. Mm-hmm. You know, if you combine that, that's just an atomic bomb in itself. Yeah. You know? And I think that's happening in small pockets. Mm. It is happening in small pockets. There are some switched on young people that are making moves. You got to understand that, you know, us as people are like this, you know, you know, take each finger as it is. But once you start doing this, it becomes a problem. Like there's strength in numbers. And this is not to be like, you know, solidifying black power, but you know, you got to understand I could do more damage with this than with an open hand like this. You know, mm-hmm. but it's it's not it's not to shy away from the fact of you know in the sixties of the civil rights they they worked with less yeah and they did twice as much as what we're doing now and uh-huh. you got to think some people would be turning in their grave if they saw what happened mm-hmm. but you know I make it all to mean that right now being you know ever any any person that is pan African or a nationalist for any whatever side of being a, of our community people need to understand that right now. You know, there seems to, there needs to be some type of, I don't know if you call it Blexit, where you can just, you know, us as, <laughs> as people need to, right, you know, yeah. exit and, and do ourselves, do for ourselves, for our, at least come out of that system and make our own way of life. Because right now we seem to be in a crossroads. We're like, okay, you can stick with being in the house or you could be in the field and do for yourself. Because yeah. right now, it seems to be you're relying on someone else to do for you what you need to do for yourself. Yeah. And it, it's not going to take you seriously. And uh, you were saying about own way of life and I think some people hear that and, feel, and be like, well, we've got to reinvent how we live. And that's not what it is. Like our no. own way of life really just means doing for self, right? Yeah. So, you know, if you came into an amount of money either through like and a hard work or luck or whatever, mm. What are you going to put on for your people to be able to have opportunities and you, for, for you to work together? And that's yeah. your own way of life, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe you have a factory that makes chairs or something, and mm-hmm. you employ people from your area, mm-hmm. and you work together. And in, you know, his mum is a receptionist, and mm-hmm. her dad, you know, sources materials. But then you you become yeah. the center of something, and that stuff actually is realistically can happen. It can happen. You, yeah. you know, it can happen. It's the the want to do it is the understanding that it needs to be done. Mm. And a lot of communities have black people with lots of resources in them. Um, And we need to do more to reverse the culture and the message that black people can't work together and shouldn't work together and Mm -hmm. nothing good comes from it. And it starts Mm. at the top. It starts with those people who are visible Mm -hmm. in our community to always surround themselves with people who who are from their community. So we can see, oh, yeah, we need to work together because that's how that person got there. Mm. When you see people that are at the top and they're not surrounded by people that are like them from mm. our community, yeah. subconsciously somewhere, we must be thinking, well, boy, I need to do what they're doing to get to the top. You know, did they say that hard work beats talent when talent want to work hard? You know, we, we seem to be working hard enough, but are we working smart enough? Because when you talk about us being as... as collectively available to combine resources. It seems to be like we, like you said, we see the, the higher we go up, it seems to be, we seem to be 
leaving behind those that were actually fundamentally in our corner. Mm-hmm. And then you come to a point of what is what is what is success? What does it smell like? What does it feel like? It's not necessarily because money can't buy you happiness. It could buy you choices, yeah. but it's not it's not going to be happiness. We're peaceful people. We don't we need to be you know we don't want to be bothering you too much. We seem to make noise the first two weeks, and then after that, it's just a okay back to normal. As much as we talk about you know some people just be like shouting reparations, reparations. What does reparations look to? such people that, that don't know what reparations look like. Yeah. What I mean by that is, okay, when you hear reparations, the first thing people think of though is monetary. Yeah, but, I do, to be honest. I'm thinking money, like how much? Yeah. Or... But, and, and, and that's a question itself. Acres. How long is a piece of string? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know? So, with that, you know, when you talk about that, it, it, we, we, we can, you know, people can crunch numbers. It will never be enough. It will never be enough, you know, I think I think once we at least get to back to that the Af- the continent of Africa, it reinvigorates our vibrations mm. because we're almost like lost vessels just walking around like zombies mm. where we don't really know ourselves. So, in in the basis of our history, we seem to be just taking face value of this atrocity happened. So nothing could come of me since then, even though you know whatever happened. Has has created this this environment as to where I'm having to fight for everything that I've got, yeah. and then you come back to such places, Africa, which has been pictured in a way where you 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 see that people seem to be, you know, they talk about famine, they talk about places where it's poor and shelter. People just seem to be on their last, dehumanized. But then you come across, you're like, hold on, there's another side of Africa. You know, Africa's so vast. Mm-hmm. Like I said, if Africa stopped working tomorrow, yo, the world is just kaput. Like, you've literally come back home and think, rah, I'm home. I'm home. I'm actually home. And then tears start form, fl- forming, yeah? And you think, wow, my people's went through all of this, right? And I still ain't using opportunities that I, is available to me. Yo, I, I, if I don't learn anything from this trip, I've got to make it happen now. Because people, like, like we said, the middle passage, some people didn't make it. Well, 100 million didn't make it from, from the Atlantic, from one side to the other. But, you know, if they can see that you as a person, the, the descendant of, of those people, that you was able to do something for yourself, they'd be like, you know, whether people are, you know, seen as, as spiritual or religious... You gotta see it as as a, as a lesson that there are people that really, if they had the, the choice, they would they would do more with less. And you have it all there. You just choose not to use it. What's available to you? All right, I think that's a good place to wrap up. Where the keys at for today? What do you think, Gav? Eh? Yeah, what we talked about today—the injustice of from Stephen Lawrence to Mark Duggan—these are the things that are whole innately need to be said at some point in time. Because right now, it seems to be that people are not collectively using the resource that is available. And I mean it to say that right now, you know, as much as we got social conditioning, you got social distancing, you know, where's this social entity of us being together? Where's that? Where is it? 